0: Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, ratting, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an
1: amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hey, everyone! Welcome back to another great episode of the Healthier Podcast. I'm Rena, and today we are talking about love and relationships and its impact on health because I firmly believe that a significant part of our health has a direct connection to the health of our relationships. And you know who we have? What a treat. We've got John Gray, who was the author of the most well-known and trusted books on relationship of all time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. John, welcome.
0: Hi, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Delightful.
1: All right, so we're, I'm going to give you some background on John that you may or may not be aware of. Um, today, his book is listed as one of the top most influential books in the last quarter century. It was the number one best selling book of the 1990s, been translated into all kinds of languages, 45 languages, 100 countries. He's written over 20 books. And his most recent book, Beyond Mars and Venus, has forever changed the way men and women view relationships. Now, what is amazing is that not only John uh, has appeared, of course, on Oprah and The Doctor Show and The Today Show and CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, and pretty much every other show you can think of, including a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. He has a background with Maharishi Yogi, which some of you know, I'm a huge proponent of yoga. So I'm super excited that we're going to dive a little bit more into his amazingly new and exciting meditation technique, which takes into account gender, something that has not been done in the past. So let's dive right in. John, what is the relationship between health and relationships, because you've talked so much about relationships. And in different TED Talks, you talk about hormones and men. Well, what have you found in terms of what is a direct connect between how healthy our relationship is versus how healthy we are?
0: Well, first of all, thank you again for having me on your show uh, and letting me talk about health. Sometimes I have to just focus on relationships because people know me for that. But the number one I won't say the number one, one of maybe three factors that massively contributes to our our wellness, our health, our physical health, is the quality of our relationships, the quality of what we put in our body, and the quality of our relationship with the universe. So that would be more of our spiritual relationship. And sometimes people have miraculous healings when they begin to open up to realizing they're not alone in the universe. Sometimes it's the uh, detoxification of the body and sometimes it's the opening of the heart that can cause these amazing healings. Uh, those are three categories. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about each, but mostly relationship because people know me for that. And that is hormones. We all know that hormones affect the brain. We Back in the 60s, that was in the 60s, we knew that you could take a little pill and you can go into an altered state. One little pill and it has huge impact on the brain. And of course, we know that what we put in our body affects the mind-body connection. And it turns out that it triggers brain chemicals and also hormones. Hormones affect our brain chemicals. So this is all later science, back in the uh, last decade or so, maybe last two decades, we've learned that if your hormones are out of balance, all kinds of problems will result. Now what we're learning now, and what my most recent work is about, is how we relate to others affects our hormones. Yeah. And that's something, it's a new science. For example, if I am rushing to solve a problem, if there's an emergency, for example, what will get produced in my body, if I'm a man or a woman, is a high amount of testosterone.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and if I don't have confidence that I can solve that problem, another hormone gets produced, which is cortisol.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: Cortisol uh, allows us to get back into automatic conditioning. You literally have no blood flow to the prefrontal cortex where you have the ability to self-reflect, self-correct, and create something new. So a relationship is always a challenge to (laughs) self-correct. Anybody who's been married knows that. Because there's so much misinterpretation as, oh, you meant this, oh, you meant that, no, but you said that, but there's a rigidity that will happen in terms of our reactivity in intimate relationships because so much is at stake. See, if some stranger doesn't like me, so what? But when the person I have given my heart to doesn't like me, it has a bigger effect of of danger. Well, danger stimulates cortisol. That's the stress hormone. When cortisol is triggered, blood flow stops to the front part of the brain. And it's only this front part of the brain where we can hear another point of view. So we tend to keep repeating these patterns over and over due to conditioning that went into us when we were little children. And now taking that to the side, elevated cortisol, not feeling safe in a relationship. Mm -hmm. What happens is cortisol inhibits all of your healing functions. When, you're, when your cortisol levels are elevated, your digestion breaks stops. You stop making hydrochloric acid, which is necessary to get your B vitamins, it's necessary to digest your foods, it's necessary to break down your proteins to produce amino acids to make your brain function well. So the immune system stops when you're experiencing elevated cortisol which is they can measure your white blood cell count goes down, your immune system function slows down, and your ability to detoxify goes down, all because elevated cortisol levels are there. And there's an irony, if here's the person you feel most in love with, why are they the most dangerous? Because you're open to them. See, the world is not such a dangerous place to me if I don't care that much about what they say or think. But when you have a sexual intimate relationship with someone, You've opened yourself up to becoming spiritually one with them. They're your soulmate. They connect with you. And when they go through their stuff, we have to learn yeah. how to deal with that because it will throw us in the cortisol response affect our health. And there's ways to find our balance again. And that's why we need good relationship skills.
1: Now, men and women handle stress differently, share with our viewers and, uh, and our audience, what are those different ways? Because I don't think people even understand that there's actually a very different way in how a woman responds to stress and how a man responds to stress. Because that will hopefully help them identify when they see those symptoms to say, ah, John did say, you know, this is a symptom I need to look out for, so I now know that my cortisol is peaking.
0: Okay, so what we have not in the body is Uh, various stress responses. And for simplicity, we might say little stress response and then big stress response. Okay, so little danger, big danger. And to a certain extent, little danger is adrenaline and big danger is cortisol. And cortisol is the most destructive to your health. Literally causes also degeneration of brain cells. I mean, it Chronic cortisol. A little cortisol is no problem. You can run faster. You can solve a problem. You can ask for help. You can, you know, help, your, help solve problems in your life, give you the energy to do it. But then you're supposed to be able to relax again. But chronic cortisol is not good. And what causes chronic cortisol is when we can't solve problems. We don't feel we can get the support we need. A. And B, even with little stress, little stress produces adrenaline. If we cannot get rid of the adrenaline, use it up then what happens is your body will start producing cortisol, and cortisol has all the health-challenging effects. Now remember, some people have low cortisol because they're burnt-out adrenal gland, but it's, it's, a, it's a dysfunctioning adrenal gland that can give rise to all kinds of fatigue and low energy and so forth, and maybe they do a test and they have low cortisol, but actually it's because they've been having high cortisol for so long that they end up with the low cortisol response. And they will still have, even with a low cortisol response, this hormonal imbalance that will occur. So the stress responses for men under little stress is detachment. Mm -hmm. every woman knows she's talking to a husband or boyfriend or whatever. And she gives a little feedback and says, you know, when you said that I felt a bit offended or I, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot more than you or (laughs) something like that. A man will immediately detach. You can feel it. He pulls back because that's a little stress. He has to consider something he didn't uh, think was wrong with him, and he has to defend himself to a certain extent, or his tendency is. You know, we all have deep down inside a need to feel right, a need to feel lovable, need to feel good. So whenever possible, we want to explain ourselves, kind of a natural thing. So as soon as he has this little stress, the woman I've given my heart to seems to be not happy with me, he will detach. Now biologically what's happening in that moment is he's trying to figure out what he should say or do or if it's correct or how he can make it up, whatever. But when he experiences that that little bit of adrenaline, he will detach. And what's happening in his body is the female hormone estrogen or progesterone, depending upon what's up high, will start going down and the testosterone will start going up. So testosterone is this a hormone that men need 30 to 50 times than women. Now, this is biologically true. We know that when men have low testosterone, high estrogen, they're angry. Most people don't know that. They always think testosterone causes anger. And in a sense, it's a precursor because when testosterone goes up, it's a man wants to solve a problem. There's danger. Let me solve the problem. Gives you faster reaction time, gives you more focus. And most importantly, testosterone helps you to detach from fear. See, if you're gonna go save somebody in a, fire, a building that's on fire, you can't be afraid. <laughs> you've gotta push those fears to the side because fear says stop. You're gonna go into battle, you're gonna fight an animal or run away. You have to be able to push those feelings to the side in order to, so your mind can go into conditioned responses that you've been trained to do. So this is a man's first stress response. If he's not peaceful and centered in the moment, then what happens, he goes a little out of balance. A little out of balance means the conditioning has to come in. His testosterone goes up, and that's his first response, which is detachment. Now, at that point, if he continues talking, she feels disconnected. So she's going to ask him lots of questions Mm -hmm. to talk. Now, what he's going to do when he asks, if he talks to the person he cares about, his testosterone will start going down. His estrogen will go up. Intimacy is estrogen. So sharing, connecting, and all of that, that's, it. that's our female side. We have a male mm-hmm. and a female side. So his estrogen goes up, which pushes his testosterone down even further. So let me the key here is that when, when men are depressed or irritable, their testosterone is down. When men are defensive, their testosterone goes up, then goes down. So it's all about testosterone for men. Mm-hmm. So take, you know, Men from Mars, I talked about cave time. Men need to go to their cave sometimes. Literally, that's to forget their problems, to detach. It's kind of what Buddha taught, which is what meditation was, was empty the mind and forget. It was primarily taught to men to boost their testosterone because when men don't feel successful, their testosterone goes down. And, and for, same for women. Women need to feel successful for testosterone. It's just that women don't need as much testosterone and when women are under moderate stress, <clears throat> What, what occurs for them is their hormones go out of balance. They're, if they're in the first part of their cycle after the period to ovulation, their estrogen levels will go down if they're in moderate stress. If they're in the second part of their cycle after ovulation, if they're under moderate stress, their progesterone levels will go down. So an imbalance of these hormones <clears throat> causes is a symptom of adrenaline in her body. Now, what can help her find balance? Just as men need to pull away, to detach, women need to connect more. That's why when there's conflict between men and women, women often want to engage. They want to ask more questions. They want to pursue talk about this. I'm not saying men can't do that either. It's just men do that when they get to a higher level of stress. and we're going to get to that. This is still at low level stress. You know, what's going on? Did you have a good day? She wants to enlist conversation because it turns out that when women experience adrenaline if they talk about how they feel estrogen levels or progesterone levels will increase so this is like the magic for women Amazing. it's it's it, it talking so we have something called talk therapy i'm a, as a therapist for many years women would come in my office and if i'm a good listener and i ask questions i'm generally interested and i'm very empathetic they leave happy And this was like I didn't solve their problems. Their life hasn't changed at all. That's
1: all we want, John. We just (laughs) want someone to listen to us. That's right. Starting with our loved ones, which is our husband, and that's kind of right where the problem starts. You know, sometimes all we want is someone to listen to us. Exactly.
0: This is it's the intimacy that allows women to experience the high estrogen levels that they particularly need higher than what they're experiencing, and it's a crisis today. Because when women are independent and when they're doing things like making money, not saying women shouldn't be independent, not saying women shouldn't be educated or, you know, all that, that's their male side. But when they do too much of that and they don't nurture their female side at the same time, then the masculine increases, the feminine goes down, and this is biologically measurable. And that women's estrogen levels, progesterone levels go out of balance, cortisol levels, adrenal levels, adrenal, adrenal production, all gets imbalanced. So you see so many women getting their hormones tested and taking hormones and doing these things. And, you know, in my book, Beyond Mars, Venus, I give all the cautions for it. Taking hormones Mm -hmm. is better if you can make them. Now, if you can't make them, then sometimes it's a a blessing to be able to take medicines and so forth. But with this new knowledge of good nutrition, along with good meditation or spirituality or prayer, whatever it is, along with, gender insight and how to stimulate the right hormones, in many cases your body can come right back into balance and experience the right balance of hormones if you're a woman. But it's very common for women. The symptom of being more on your male side, that's I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, that's testosterone. Too much of that lowers estrogen. Mm -hmm. And when estrogen levels are low, you're not able to feel in love. You're not able to feel appreciation for what you have. You're not able to feel gratitude and acceptance that life and my husband or my boyfriend is not perfect, but good enough. See, there's a, there's a whole dynamic of I'm not perfect, but I'm good enough. And I deserve to be loved the way I am. I'm quite a catch. And that is not perfect. That is just simply self-esteem. And every woman, when her estrogen levels go down too far, when they're out of balance, she loses her ability temporarily to appreciate what the man in her life provides for her. It's just simply, are you happy today? You know, some, it's the same life. Some days we wake up and we're happy with our lives, and yes. some days we're not. And typically, if you're married, a lot of that, I'm not happy with my life, gets focused on the person who in the past gave you the greatest happiness, yes. which is your husband, your boyfriend. And then, and then he's like, what happened? Well, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> is, is, you know, on a biological level, not perfect, clearly, but hormonal imbalance is so, so key to being yes. in love. And when you're in love, feeling love, feeling happiness, feeling safe that's a key thing for women, which is a big part of my message yes. for men is how to provide safety for women. Yes. Safety allows women to feel. I can depend on you. Yes. When a woman feels, I can depend on you, particularly for the 10 days after her period, her estrogen levels will double. But for women's wow. fulfillment, women's estrogen levels after her period need to be about 10 times higher than a man's. And for five days prior to her ovulation, they need to double to become 20 times more than a man's. And if she doesn't, she loses her romantic feelings And then she gets upset with him for not being romantic enough because he used to make her feel so good. But that's when they didn't have all their little, uh, let me say it differently, because in the beginning of a relationship, you get automatic hormones because you get automatic dopamine. Mm -hmm. There's dopamine is the newness. So when there's newness, you get a lot of good hormones. If you're a woman, your estrogen levels are all excited and everything. His testosterone is really high. He's there for you. Your serotonin levels are off the chart because you feel that he, you don't have any history of being disappointed or not being successful in providing the happiness you think you should be able to provide. So, in the beginning, you get this wonderful brew of hormones that keeps your hormo- the, and brain chemicals that helps your hormones. But once, once familiarity sets in, you know, you're used to your partner, you don't get free dopamine. And once you have disappointments, you don't get free serotonin. And without those brain chemicals, you don't get the right production of hormones. And so it's easier to experience the stress response. And so, you know, it gets complicated because we have such higher expectations and relationships. Men and women have come together more than ever before. Women on their male side, men on their more feminine side, they have more emotions, they have more wish. You know, often women go, what do you mean men are more in touch with their female side? Well, have you ever noticed that Modern men they care about your sexual fulfillment. See, this is a big deal. In prior generations, women did sex primarily a lot, the majority out of obligation. It was just your duty as a woman. You can see this historical records, and sex was for men. Your majority of men today, their greatest fulfillment in sex is your happiness as a woman. That's what now some women say, Well, why doesn't he do this and this and this? Because he just doesn't know. But when I teach classes on sex, I used to do that for many, many years. Enlightened sexuality, it'd be conversation. And it was always, what are your greatest experiences, men? And they'd always talk about, I gave her this experience, this experience, this experience. Because what we, we understand when it comes to gender, what stimulates testosterone the most in men, and for women, is success. Right. So For men, testosterone is the antidote to stress. And so when men feel successful, their stress levels will go down. Right. But in feeling successful, if he has to face a lot of stress and challenges and indecision and make decisions too much, then he runs out of testosterone. He needs his cave time. That means to disconnect from anything. Connection is intimacy. Connection is estrogen. You can't rebuild your testosterone in the presence of estrogen-stimulating context. So that's why men will sit and watch a football game. They'll go meditate. And that past, that's what meditation was. It was men's ability to rebuild their testosterone, empty the mind, forget your problems. So men make this, they make this silly mistake with women. They say, why don't you just forget it? Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal.
1: Just relax.
0: Watch TV. have <laughs> sex. You know, it just
1: <laughs> it doesn't work at all. You might as well bury that relationship at that point. Well, you know, you, you're right that it sounds complex, but, but John, it's not, right? Listening to you, what it comes down to is it's really hormones. When you're dating someone, it's new. Hormones come together and create this feeling of love, which is really a perfect balance of hormones then you get into real life and those hormones start to fade away because real life gets in the way in terms of whether it's challenges or issues or failures or bills or whatever it is. And the next thing you know, you have a couple that's fighting a lot and thinking they're not in love. Whereas it's really not that they're not in love. It's just that that perfect storm of hormones has dissipated. So let's let's talk about what is your advice to a couple that's fighting, and not aggressive fighting, but let's just say they they're, they've they've started fighting about you know let's pick a topic um, bills she spends too much he says we you shouldn't be spending this much control what you spend on or you should get permission from it, whatever that is right so they're fighting on these bills what should be the ground rules John for fighting? in a way that's gonna keep the hormones balanced and not take you to a place where you cannot come back from. Um, because often fighting, I feel, sets the groundwork for going to, into a space that you really can't come back from and it's that beginning of the end of a relationship because of how you fight. So talk a little bit about what do the ground rules be for fighting?
0: Again, fighting is now, remember we talked about our stress responses which is, there's little stress. Fighting is big stress. And big okay. stress causes men. So, for a man, when he's arguing, he's, he basically, she's upset about something. And by the way, about the money thing, sometimes it's the woman who's telling the man he shouldn't spend so much. Absolutely. That's not a gender thing. That's just historical family issues. And it could be the woman who says, Why did you spend money there? And it could be the man going, Why did you spend money there? So, mm-hmm. but the, what's gender about that is typically, the woman has some kind of emotional response under moderate stress, okay? They have a difference of a point of view, right? That's a moderate stress. Now, how are we going to get through this? How am I going to get what I want and you get what you want? And we're kind of that. Like, there's a little tension there. So at that point, you can look at some of the brain function in women. There's eight times more blood flow to the emotional part of the brain. Women will start to have an emotional tone that men misinterpret. Mm-hmm. Now, why do men misinterpret that tone? Because... Men only experience the emotional tone within themselves under big stress. Under little stress, men have a disconnect. They have a detached tone. Remember, many scientists will say 80 to 90% of our communication is tone of voice. Tone of voice says it all. And that's why people say, how do I say this? How do I say this? There's ways to say things better. But you can say things the perfect way, but with the wrong tone of voice. Because if your tone of voice says, you know, I hate you, you're not going to give me what I want, I'll try this out, you know, it just are, I have years of resentment, why should I even bother? That tone of voice is not loving, okay? So let's just know tone of voice. So what happens is misinterpretation of tone of voice, because under moderate stress, meaning a woman says, it's not really a big deal, I'm not trying to control you or whatever, she's going to have a more emotional tone of voice, for a man under moderate stress, which means this is not a big deal. We don't have to worry about it. Let's see how we can work this out. He's kind of a very detached tone of voice. Now, women will misinterpret that as well because women detach when it's a big problem, okay? When, see, women get emotional with little problems, but when it's really big, she goes, okay, I don't trust this person at all. I'm done with them. I'm out of here. She's cold as ice. She's hot when she's under a little stress. Cold as ice when it's big. So true. So true. And then, under little stress, are cold as ice, then under big stress, they become emotional and they become very hot and that's your angry man, that's your argumentative man, that's when he's getting mad at you and a woman is kind of like freaking out and detaching and looking at you. And so, so you have little stress, big stress. So if in my own reality as a man, emotions, only negative emotions, anger, fear, defensiveness, hurt, when, when these strong emotions increase, it's only because I'm seeing this situation as a lion, a tiger, or a bear. Mm. It's a big problem. But for women, they only detach when the problem is a lion, tiger, and bear. For her, there's a disconnect. Her estrogen goes down and she says, I can't get support from this guy, so I have to do it all myself. That's, she detaches from depending on him for support. He's now dangerous, so she's going to pull back. So when she has a big problem, she detaches. So when a man detaches, she panics because, oh, my gosh, he's pulling away. What did I do? What did I say? Does he not love me? Is he planning to leave me? Is there somebody else? Because quite often that's what she's going through if she gets all the way up to high stress, which is detachment. So this is like a phenomenal insight, which is how we're constantly misinterpreting each other. So you ask, what are the ground rules when you have an argument and fight? As soon as you're in a defense reaction, you have to call a timeout. That means you slow it down. It's simply, we, had, we went through many stages of this, until I could recognize very clearly for me and my marriage, my defensive reaction. My wife would get it in a tone of voice. Now I figured, finally got clear about my tone of voice what would cause her to get triggered. Because if I, my voice has too much focus and detachment and determination, her body would just de- defend. When a woman can't appreciate what a man says, then suddenly he feels even more threatened. When a woman doesn't feel a man can empathize with her point of view. It's like, okay, we're on the same side here. We're gonna get through this thing together. I wanna understand your point of view because we're a team and I want you to get what you want. As is it and the tone of voice ironically should be something like this. Remember me? I'm the guy who sat who kneeled before you and pledged my life to you. And without a question or doubt, if you were in danger, I would risk my life for you and I will die for you. And if you talk to every man in my seminars, they will all say, I will die for her. And that's who men are. We're the soldiers, we go right into battle, we know we're gonna die, we do it to protect our family. I'm not saying that women don't have a male side and would die for their children as well. But you have to remember, this is the guy, and he has to remember that. But what happens is men's heart closes when they get into that high stress level. Not the low stress, they detach, but it's not like they go into this way out of balance, defensive, argumentative place. So here are some techniques that my wife and I developed. One is when when we would be having a difference of opinion, and you have to have a difference of opinion. Absolutely. It's part of life. The first thing is men have to know if there's an emotional tone in her voice that makes it difficult for you to hear her. One, don't speak. Ask more questions. Don't speak. Anything you say at that point is gonna interfere with her coming back to a place of appreciating what you say when you say it. For women, it's like a priority. This is where, when we think we're all just the same, you don't recognize the important priorities. It's like some people need more vitamin D, some people need more vitamin C. You know, women have certain emotional needs that are more important than men. And for women, the most important need they have in our context of our life today, it changes our modern world. Women are way on their male side. They need help to come back to their female side. To come back to their female side, they need to feel safe. Safety produces the female hormones. The, being able to provide safety, solving the problem, being the champion, being the hero, being the one that provides that support increases testosterone. So men, you've got to provide safety for her. Men don't know that job, although that's what we've done throughout history Now we have to provide a kind of emotional safety, which doesn't mean becoming emotional ourselves. It means becoming compassionate and empathetic, which is staying in a heartfelt place, not talking about me, but listening to her and trying to go into her world, her experience, to see her still as a good person. And that's what, literally, it's like sex. The man goes into the woman. The woman doesn't go into the man. But so what happens is she needs to open up, he needs to make the safety for her to open up and enter into her to understand her perspective, to understand, to go inside. Most people don't realize that being a good listener is the most masculine thing you can do. And women always, you know, I'll listen to what you're feeling. No, women, don't listen to what he's feeling until you feel heard. Because you can't hear what he's going through until you feel heard. Because if you're under stress response, the most powerful thing to come back into balance is to talk about what you feel inside, which can be horrendously hard for a man if what he hears you doing is blaming him. Mm -hmm. So there's techniques for that. So here's one. First of all, the context is she gets to open up first, not me. It's not about me, because anything I say, see, I'm not stupid. I know that if she's not feeling safe, she cannot open up and appreciate my point of view in this discussion of differences. So I need to step one. She gets to go first. Same thing in sex, orgasm. Women should have the orgasm first. Otherwise, if he has his, he's done. I mean, there's a reality here. It's biological reality we need to bring into the emotional level of a relationship is she has the permission, the support to be heard first. Not that he shouldn't be heard. Is that, she needs to feel safety to express what's going on inside. And she needs, he needs to learn how to listen to that. But it's not just him. She has to learn some skills. And here's a few. Okay, mm-hmm. there's lots, you know, this is big mm-hmm. science here. But a simple one, if a woman could do this, is if you're upset with your partner and you want to talk, you can simply say, hold on, I just want you to listen to me for the next 10 minutes and not say anything. Because you have to tell them what you want. Men don't know this. See, they don't know this. You can't expect them to hear me talk once and know it. You have to know what you need and be responsible to get it. So you say to him, hold on, just hear me out. Let me work through my feelings before we try to solve this problem. I'm getting triggered. And, and, and this is what's beautiful. If you really want a man to listen to you 100%, try saying this. I'm getting triggered inside, and it's not a big deal. If you wanted to, I want to tell you what's going on inside of me, which will immediately create an adrenaline response in a man. When you say we need to talk, oh, my God, instant adrenaline response. Instant. Instant. And defensive
1: yeah. mode, right? It's instant defensive mode. It's like, instant. oh, my God, I don't want to talk about this. That's right, instant. Can we please not talk about this? And,
0: and, and, and women need to you know that's every man. That's every mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, it, Particularly if you're having sex. Okay, so that's what makes us more vulnerable. So the second step is if you say to him, the opposite of what you think would work, but the opposite of what you think will work, which is, you, you say, this this is not a big deal. I just need you to listen to me. And then we can figure out what to do about it. Mm. Okay, set
1: the ground, set the stage almost.
0: We set the stage so you're not going to have as much of a defensive reaction. And if it's something you want, if what you want in your feelings is like, I need you to be more affectionate. I need more hugs. I need more romance. I need you to be more organized. I need you to remember. I need you to call me. If what you need at that moment is him to change his behavior, you need to say to him, this is not a big deal. I'm not asking you to change in any way. I just want you to understand what's going on. And I trust that you'll make adjustments. That's it. See, it's, See, love is, is this, it's, it's accepting you as you are and trusting that if you have the proper information over time, you'll make adjustments. Mm -hmm. Nobody's just going to give up and change right away. They want to be themselves. You'll lose all the passion if you're not authentic. It's like women want, they think it'd be so simple. Just change your behavior. Everything will be better. Men, you know, we think, we think just change how you feel. Let it go. Don't be upset about things. Stop being so needy. Stop asking for help. Why, why talk so much? <laughs> just be happy. Can't you just be happy with me? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> you can't just suddenly tell her to change how she feels. It's her job to change how she feels. It's his job to gradually adjust his behaviors and be a better partner. Every person wants to be better when they feel loved and supported. So yeah, our objective in relationships is our power is to provide the love that our partners need the most. And now, well, then you kind of go, well, what, what is the love that men need the most, that women yes. need the most? Well, we go back to our biological discussion. What do women need most is the feeling of conversations, behaviors, interactions that stimulate more female hormones. Men need conversations, behaviors, that stimulate more male hormones. Hmm. Well, it turns out, that whenever you appreciate someone for something, oh, you did this for me, thank you so much. Oh, you blew it, but it's okay, it's all right. Uh, You do so many other good things, it balances out. That's called acceptance. The appreciation, look what you did for me. And then, oh, he's here, look what he can do for me. That's called trust. All those behaviors, those responses, increase testosterone in men. So like in my marriage, not that my wife was always in a good mood and always positive, but always when I would come home or she would come home, she greeted me as if we had no problems and life was wonderful. It's literally, women are the embodiments of love and appreciation and acceptance of imperfection and trust that things can always get better. This is what women, it's your superpower. It's in your purse, you just have to pull out that wallet and find it in there. You need to look around in there, you find your superpower. And it's this feminine love that can appreciate what you can receive, because women femininity is all about receiving. It's the vagina. It's the opening of the heart. It's come inside, come inside. But you don't want just anybody coming inside. So you you find someone special that you can accept that's coming inside. You appreciate. You're delighted by it, and you're open to it. That's pure. now you can't have that all the time. We're not we're flawed human beings. But you can find moments when it's most important and for men the most important times is the coming and goings particularly the comings every more i would give my wife four hugs a day by the way my wife has passed so i just mentioned that um we've been married 33 years and she recently passed of cancer uh so the so
2: sorry to hear that
0: yeah and but we 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 had rituals that we did and four times a day minimum Where we get up, when I see her first, I look for her and give her a hug, and she would always respond in a hug, and the hug would be at least a three to six second hug. Couples just did these quick hugs. Hugging is one of the most powerful things to help women come back from testosterone land to estrogen land. It produces the oxytocin, and you know people now know about oxytocin, the bonding hormone, helps you to feel love, but actually it's estrogen which is love oxytocin brings you lowers testosterone and increases estrogen. So that's the function of oxytocin. Physical affection produces the oxytocin. Also talking about your feelings produces oxytocin. It's connection, oxytocin is connection, which lowers testosterone, and raises estrogen, which is why under stressful situations, men disconnect because they have to rebuild their testosterone. But women go, oh, give me some connection here. So you might notice your husband's in a bad mood, You don't go touch him, you know, he'll go like, ah, back, you know, Mm -hmm. but if a woman feels safe and she starts to feel emotionally upset, you gently go in and give her a hug and she'll just melt into you if she has enough estrogen in her body. That's the melting, it's the yielding, it's to open the heart. And and again, I'm not saying you should be just one side, but that's the stress reducing side for women is making sure that their estrogen levels go up. They feel safe. So, the second point you asked about arguments. What do you do to avoid arguments? You have to have this context. You have to understand the differences. The second thing is I have to know my job is to provide safety for her. And anytime I'm angry, irritable, judgmental, mad, thinking negative thoughts about her, she feels them and it's not safe. All she can then do is go into her programs that are gonna get triggered. I can't trust men, they're not gonna be there for me. He doesn't really love me, I don't deserve to be loved. And she'll either go into, I'm not, he's the wrong person for me. All this stuff gets triggered. It's not even us, it's conditioning from thousands and thousands of years of dysfunctional life. People were like monkeys, you know. It's still today when couples are fighting. If you stand back and look at yourselves, (laughs) it's, we're so petty. That's just conditioning. It's this part of the brain this prefrontal cortex where we're able to self-reflect and learn something new and apply something new. So for me, when my wife would say, this is part of our techniques we used to use, if I started to get the slightest bit defensive, she just said, you're being mean. Now that worked for us. Some people it doesn't work for because I never want to be mean to my wife. Never. you know. So it was like no defense response, but maybe I'm some guy who was like violent to a woman at some point, And then she says, you're being mean. He'll go like no, he'll be defensive about that. Right. I'm a sweet soul, so it didn't. I didn't get defensive. I just wanted to know. because She says you're being mean, and, and 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 literally, what she would do is just walk out of the room. Mm. You're being mean. I I thought no no I could be nicer. <laughs> no 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 no. because <laughs> it, she would catch it as soon as she noticed her triggers. She'd just say you're being mean. Then what she used to do that was her way, and that worked for us. Couples need to have their their words a woman can say, you know, I'm being triggered. It could be something like that. But you always want to you don't want to say, you're uh stop talking to me that way. Now you're giving a man an order.
1: Mm, and they actually, don't like getting orders.
0: Nobody does. You don't like getting orders either. That, it's just but clearly men do not like getting orders. It just triggers more of a response that they're powerless, that they that they're not like cool guys or whatever. So for me the understanding of hormones helped me so much with defensiveness because once I understood hormones, every man wants to be testosterone man, okay? We want to be stud, we want to feel testosterone, we want to feel love for being men. It's inside of a man. And to have that, you have to have normal, healthy testosterone. Your 35 year olds are like dropping, they're like drooping at 15.
1: Absolutely. How you to know, that know that. what happens at 50, right? So so what can someone do to boost their testosterone if they're a man, and then vice versa, what can women do to make sure that they've got enough estrogen without relying on each other to boost it for them?
0: Nicely said. Let me finish the other point because you asked about arguments, and I still haven't got that. I mean yes. sorry. Yes. Are complex, okay? So what I had to know, and I teach this to men, every time men you're angry, you're becoming a girl. There is a stigma. Don't be a girl if you're a guy, right? That's a good one. You're becoming a girl. Your estrogen levels are going up. And if you talk at that time, your estrogen levels will go even higher and your testosterone will go down. Just to know that helped me realize. And the key to it was not so much the girl thing, but the the thing was, is that I want to be a loving human being. I want to be strong, centered, grounded, and lovable. I want to be the man. And when I'm the man, my testosterone levels need to be about 30 to 50 times more than hers. A woman cannot be turned on to a man who doesn't have 30 to 50 times more testosterone. I want my wife to desire me, want to be with me. I need to have testosterone. Otherwise, women start to feel unsafe, and they start to close down their estrogen, or they start to overgive, and they feel like they're the mother. He's like a child. He's like a baby. He's insecure. How can I love that in a passionate, sexy way? It just the couples lose all that. And that's the most powerful way to, to balance hormones. Is you, well, we'll get to your, this, we're getting to what you just said. But, so for me, anger is an immediate symptom. I'm becoming totally out of balance. And if I talk, it's only going to make it worse. So what I would do when I notice my triggers, after a while, last 10 years, she never even had to say you're being mean. I would notice it inside and I would just go, I just put my hand up and say, I hear you, I need some time, it would be it, I hear you, I need some time. And she knows what that means, he needs time to rebuild his testosterone. So you ask the question, what can men do to rebuild their testosterone, women with their female hormones? There's a lot of things you can do and there's things you can do without your partner and that's what you have to know at this moment. Let's say I'm doing something wonderful for my wife and we're connecting, that's building my testosterone and that's building her estrogen. But as soon as there's any conflict, I have to, step one, stop looking to her to balance my hormones. Step without resentment and say, now it's time for me to do it myself, that's step two. Stop trying to change her. Whenever you're trying to change your partner anyway, you will always get less, that's step one. How do you, as a person, Try to change your partner. Could it be angry at them? Is it is it being passive-aggressive with them? Is it giving them advice? Is it withholding love? Is it not having sex? People have to find there are many, many different ways we try to manipulate our partner to get what we want, and these are all out-of-date monkey behaviors, dysfunctional behaviors that don't work. Okay? They used to work a long time ago. You have to remember, a long time ago, a scary person had everybody follow them. And, you know, so there's a... Manipulation is the world we came from. It's not the world of love. Love is to embrace person as they are. So step one, don't try to change them. Then what can you do? You have to step two is rebalance your hormones without depending on your partner. So if I was in an argument with my wife, I say, I hear you, I need some time. I would go off and I would do something to rebuild my testosterone, which basically is going to be a little different for every man. For me, I'm a master meditator, so I could just go meditate and detach but you have to do it with the intent i'm going to temporarily forget what just happened i'm going to raise my testosterone up doing something i'm good at anytime a man does something on his own that he's good at it can be him driving your car it could be going to the you know play tennis with a friend anything you, what you're good at or going back to work and solve a problem with the intention i'm yeah intention is everything i'm going to temp- I'm going to temporarily forget what just happened because I was defensive. And anytime I go back there, I'll be defensive again. So I temporarily forget it, do something to raise my testosterone, which opens my heart. Remember, for men, it's, your heart can only open when your testosterone goes up to 30 to 50 times more than a woman. So when your testosterone comes up, your heart opens. At that point, then I'm going to reflect on what happened that shut me down. Okay, What happened that triggered me? And I'm going to be 100% accountable at that point to look at how did I contribute to that? How can I learn from that? What do I want to do about that? And then I'm not going to go back right away and talk about it. I'm going to have it inside myself. It's still very delicate in there. And I'm going to go back, and I'm going to demonstrate more love for her. And understanding, demonstrating more love. I mentioned the love needs for men
2: Mm-hmm. Increased
0: testosterone, appreciation, acknowledgement, trusting, accepting, finding that part inside of you, giving it as much as you can. For women, what she needs most from a man is demonstrations of caring, consideration, understanding, empathy, compassion, and respect. It's respect. And the appreciation is something she needs, but more than that, she needs to be honored. When a woman is honored, then she does feel appreciated. But... The appreciation, if you're just going around, look what I can look what I do, it's, it raises testosterone. Look what I need, do this for me, is, is honoring her. She's, she's the most important person in your life. You prioritize her over others and sometimes mm-hmm. over yourself. Sacrifice. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Not all the time, you have to take care of yourself too. But that, when, when you behave that way towards a woman, her estrogen levels soar. Her trust levels increase. She's able to give you the appreciation. She's able to give you the acceptance. She's able to give you the trust. And otherwise, she's not able to do it. Men, if you want customers, you've got to work hard for it. You've got to do something to get the response. It's not free. Relationships are not free love until both needs are met. When both needs are met, then it's like having a big bank account, and you can give your money away for free. And that's unconditional love. That's what we hope to get to in our relationship. That's what I was able to find with my wife for years, just unconditional love. And, and one of the symptoms of that, which is very sweet, it was hard for her to say she's sorry about things because she had such a painful childhood and mother always making her wrong. And I just basically, honey, you never have to apologize to me. Never say you're sorry to me. It's, if you want, fine. There's never a condition that's going to hold me back from loving you. And I remember after 23 years, she, we had a conversation. I said to her, honey, how do you rate me as a husband uh, You know, of a guy when you be rated? And she said, she said, as a father to our three children, you're the unimaginable A plus, the very best I can imagine. As a husband, you're not perfect. But, <laughs> but you've given me the greatest gift any woman could ever want. I said, what's that? And she said, I know that I can say and do things that will really upset you. And when it does, you stop talking, you go to your cave you do some magic, and you always come back to me with more love. And that's the key, that's called growing in love. So if we had a little argument or whatever, I didn't go back and, with a big apology and let's work it through whatever, she didn't demand that of me either. That can, that can sort of bring back the trauma of what just happened. What you do is you come back and you have ways, I come back being affectionate, I might clean the kitchen, I might plan a date, I might bring some flowers, I give her. Certainly, I come back with hugs and stroke her hair and say, "I love you so much, sweetie," and that is enough. So there's no pressure on me that I have to go. Oh gosh, I was so bad. I really blew it. I shouldn't have got angry like that. Sometimes I would say that. Sometimes I wouldn't. That wasn't a requirement because nobody wants to say I'm sorry and have somebody look at you and go, "Yeah,
1: yeah." <laughs>
0: it just like
2: it's just no. No.
1: Now, what's interesting is you know what you're sharing sounds like it should be doable and it should be something that we all should do. But John, you and I know the truth, which is it requires a lot of work and self-awareness and then the strength to, to fight our natural instincts um, to become and to evolve into this perfect person in this relationship you're talking about. Not everyone can do that. Not, not everyone's interested in doing that either. So, so here's a question for you. How can someone figure out if they are in a bad relationship or in a relationship which isn't really going to resolve itself, where the fights are getting much worse, and it doesn't seem well it doesn't seem like things might get better, however, maybe they're wrong. So what are some of the ways that both a man or a woman can start to question and say? is this something that we can work out and build into a growing, loving relationship? Or is this something that I really have to rethink whether I want to be in this very toxic relationship that I'm in for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know how it is. It could be kids. It could be social pressures. It could be a variety of things. It's a relationship where I don't want to come home or I'm physically ill when I think about this person. Cause those have again, health manifestations. It's you know, you can't just feel miserable and not end up with some kind of a chronic illness over time.
0: We bring it back to health. It is so so key. I mean, when when you're not feeling nurtured in a relationship, alert a relationship is hell or heaven. There's nothing more painful than to be in a relationship that's as functional where you're giving your heart and you don't feel it's reciprocal. That's what causes trauma in the body. That causes disease and sickness. And today, with so much toxicity and so many challenges in relationships, now you have the perfect brew for sickness because you can't detoxify all this toxicity if you're stressed. And what causes great stress, whether you're in relationships or not, people tend to be very stressed today, but being in a relationship where you're stuck is like being in a jail sentence and you're not being fulfilled. So it can actually be way more painful than being single and having a stressful life. Because your heart, you keep trying to open your heart and getting knocked down. But what I've seen as a marriage counselor is, you when your heart is hurting, you can't know whether they're right for you or wrong for you. And many people, they in order to leave a dysfunctional relationship, because they feel it's their partner's fault, and part of it is they don't realize how they contribute to it. You see, that's when people
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I do a women-only course, and women all walk out realizing that they have brought out the worst in their partner. I do men-only, and they all get that they have brought out the worst of their partner. So there's a lot of, when you start understanding how you contribute to the problems in your relationship, and the first thing I got to was number one is we try to change our partner. And every dysfunctional relationship, we're trying to change our partner in some way rather than loving them. And we have to understand that if you try to change your partner, even if it looks really sweet and loving, like you're trying to help a child, or you're trying to help them think clearly or be logical or whatever it might be, Uh, you're trying to change them. That is not love. So we walk around thinking, I'm so loving, I give all this love. But men, they want divorce when they say, look, I do all these wonderful things for it's never enough to make her happy. Why isn't she happy? And I said, because you're not doing any of the stuff that makes women happy. You're like this big negative force. And women will say, look, I give and give and give, and it gives me nothing. I say, well, you're giving them all the wrong stuff, and you're not giving to yourself. You have to be responsible for your happiness. So there's a dance where you can't really know who's your soulmate, who's your not, who you should spend your life with until you open your heart with forgiveness and acceptance and a hundred percent accountability. Then you might choose to leave
2: mm-hmm.
0: you choose to enter a relationship from an open heart. You should leave a relationship from an open heart. Cause see, not all relationships are meant to stay. I've been married to Bonnie for 33 years, was married to her and, and until she passed and, um, I was married before for two or three years, two years, and I was a young guy, didn't understand relationships, but I ended the relationship from a place of love. My heart was open. We'd worked through these issues together. My heart was open. I realized, you know, she's not the right woman for me, and it was really true. Some people just aren't the right one. Now, for us, it was kind of obvious, because I wanted children, and she didn't, and I married her, telling her I didn't want kids, but once I had a good job and making some money, I wanted kids. It just like, it grew inside of me, and she never had children. So it was, it, was, it was writing on the wall, so to speak. But when your heart is open, you kind of see, do I want to be with this person or not? But not gathering evidence to now justify, he's a terrible person or she's a horrible wife and therefore I'm going to leave her. You will tend to repeat those same patterns. So first step to know whether you're going to leave someone is find your heart open again. So you stop trying to change them, back off and start focusing on, I have to learn how to be happy irregardless of my partner. It's kind of like being separated. And sometimes I encourage couples to separate to find your own happiness again because you're constantly blaming your partner for your own unhappiness. And particularly during separation, I prefer to recommend to people that they have sexual relationships as well. Because ultimately, every couple that's arguing and fighting isn't having great sex. Great sex is one of the antidotes to everything for hormonal balance. You know, you talk about hormonal balance, sex is pure. When a man has an erection, his testosterone 50 times higher, it's shooting up there, it's going, he's getting his surge. For women to be orgasmic, it has to be 20 times more estrogen than a man. This is like, these are massive hormone balancers to mix love and sex together. And so when couples start arguing, they start closing down, they lose their sexual interest in each other. It becomes more functional. It's no longer this passionate experience of the divine. And to me, sex is one of the highest ways to experience the divine, you meditate to connect with the divine, you bring it down to the world through service, through love, through sharing, through honoring other people. But when you can bring it into sex and feel love and sex, you bring it into your body. And, you know, there was a book back in the 90s where they were actually helping couples heal heart disease simply by teaching them how to have sex again. One of the Mm -hmm. healthiest things for the heart is to be having sex with somebody you love. And if you can't have sex with the person you love, you separate, be single for a while, open your heart, and you get the newness. You know, newness will always stimulate the right hormones, but don't get a divorce. Then reflect, do I really want to be with my partner? And literally, I don't know the exact statistics on this, but in California, for example, you can't just get a divorce. You have to separate officially, and six months later, you can get your divorce. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that's because so many people after separating, we'll come back together and love each other. And they typically go, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy and it's not my partner's fault. I've got to figure out what to do. And you're out there and you're, you, you start growing within yourself. So you're finding your, your own source of happiness inside. That's step two, come back to hormonal balance. Step three is now go and give more love. So in my marriage, when I would shut down, I would go do something to make me feel good again. Then I would reflect on how I contributed to her unhappiness. And then I would make it up to her. And the same thing for women. Go make it up to your partner. You see how you contributed to their unhappiness. Go do something wonderful. Give them precisely the love that they need. That's step three. Is now you've just taken time to love yourself, to open up. Now, from that place of fullness, full bank account, go give more love to this person that you were mad at. Now you're going to go give more love. And once they're getting the love they need, they will start to give it back. That's the way the world works. And when you put it out, it comes back if you give exactly what they need, not what you think they should need. Then if you don't get it back, then you start asking for more. But you ask for more from a place of fullness. It's no longer a demand. You have to do this for me to be happy. Right. It becomes more of a preference of this is not a big deal, but when you do this, you know. Some, an example is good. You know, I used to be late for dinner. My wife would say, John, I was really upset. I, I just want to talk to you for 10 minutes. Don't say anything. I just want you to hear how I feel. And it's not a big deal. Just take it in. When you're late, I feel like, why bother make you a meal? You know, when you don't call, I think maybe something bad has happened. You know, and, 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 and when you're giving a talk to other people and you don't call me when you're late, I feel like other people are more important than me. So this hurts a lot inside. And I kind of feel like I don't want to cook for you at all. And I made a really special meal for you and you were late. And so you didn't get to enjoy it. And I don't want you to say anything. Just think about it. Know that that's who I am. I'm sensitive. I'm delicate. I just want to love and connect you. And then walk out of the room. Let him just think about it. You don't have to...
1: Communication is really important. Communication without demanding a response. Right. The right way of communicating. And I don't think we are born with that skill. And we're certainly not trained with that skill. So we sort of stumble into creating our own pattern of communication is what i've realized i don't know
0: that we stumble into it i think we're programmed from childhood,
1: mm. programmed
0: yes. from childhood. this is yes all those, yeah, there's so much psychology and science about that and there mm-hmm. is one part of us that sometimes rebels against the programming so there's also a not that programming mm-hmm. it's still a programming it's just reacting to a programming rather than this part of the brain that actually looks at your actions and sees oh i didn't get the result i wanted let me Uh, Let me analyze, let me reflect, self-reflection on how did I contribute to that. You can also look at how they contributed to it, but then you also have to look at your own side. And when you look at how somebody else contributed to it, you can also look at that with compassion. They don't know what they're doing. So, you know, there's a way of looking at this that we just haven't been taught, and it's not possible to look at things that way when you're experiencing stress responses. Just remember, under stress responses, cortisol particularly, blood flow stops to the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the only part of our brain which has DNA which is exclusively human. The other DNA in our brain is monkeys and lizards, you know, totally right, right. emotional. Right. So we've got this part of the brain that allows us to sort of balance all this stuff. Right. And... We have, to, we have to recognize our weakness as human beings. We're going to be triggered. We're going to have reactions. And the more you're with a loving partner, the more it's going to happen. So you have to take the time out. You have to take the responsibility, open your heart again, and go give more love, more support. And then you will get more back. That's how you get more in a relationship.
1: And is there ever a time when you just have to walk away? And if so, what would those signs be like? When, how would someone know? And this actually question came in from a friend wants to know how do you know when it's time to actually call it quits
0: well once again you do it when your heart is open and you, you ask your how did you know that was the person for you mm-hmm. see it's the same answer it comes from your okay. heart it's not a complicated mm-hmm. answer but you have to be clean of all your resentment and, and victimness yes. and all that stuff you get clean mm-hmm. about because you know you can get clean about it is you get i Contributed to the problems and now I've made my adjustments and I'm not getting what I need and I guess we just we just don't fit right together and even before you leave you separate you, you the, the real test is let's divorce but not really divorce let's be single mm-hmm. let's set it up and mm-hmm. live that and see what it's like and then see if while you're being single you miss your partner or you don't miss your partner mm-hmm. or your partner misses you or they don't miss you. And so many people, after they separate, will come back together. And unfortunately, they often have the same problems again because nobody taught them the skills of how to make it work.
1: So true. So true. Or go to a relationship event. You know, you said you host a lot of these workshops. I'm a big proponent of just like we go to class to learn stuff, go to a class to learn how to have a great relationship. And that is, again, there's some stigma around it. I think men really have a hard time agreeing to go to a class, a, re- a relationship workshop. Why is that, John? And how can a woman get a man to agree to, yes, sure, honey, let's go see John Gray and get our relationship <laughs> issues resolved?
0: I get that question a lot. The, the answer to that is actually in the introduction of my book, Men Are From Mars, which is, which yeah. is women who are always, how do I get them to read this book? And I want to say there's a lot of men that women wouldn't read the book, but more so uh, women who said, you know, how do I get him to read this book? When you, when you hand a book and say to somebody or a seminar and you say, let's go do this, there's a feeling inside and sometimes it's expressed, but sometimes it's just in the tone of voice, which is you really need this. <laughs> you need this and you know that's human nature i mean you want things to be and that's
1: the defensiveness right that's the oh all i'm gonna get all i'm gonna hear is how i'm wrong that's right it's gonna be all about me having to change and you're gonna sit there and gloat as to how everything i've done is wrong and i'm not gonna you know put myself through that and pay for it
2: well
0: you just you, you just hit it right on the nail that's exactly it and And I have to say, many seminars do that, okay? They do that. Many books on relationships do that because they don't have the understanding of how men and women are different. They're just simply written often by or taught by therapists like me who primarily have women in the office. Ninety percent of the people who go to therapy are women. So you just, you think, if, if men, if you just do this for her and her and her, then things will get better. But there's a guy over there, too, and he has needs as well. (laughs) So we have to understand that. We have to recognize this whole blame thing and change men, but understanding. So in my seminars, it's about understanding, but a man doesn't know that, so there'll be resistance to it. So here's what you do. You ask, what do you do? You say to him, I really want to – I read this book by this guy. I'm realizing I make so many mistakes in relationships, and I'm going to go to a seminar. I would love for you to come. It would feel very supportive to me, but it's for me, not you. Just do that. I just get, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to be there, but I would love for you to be there. You're like, I'll feel more secure. It's like uncomfortable for me to go alone. But this is something I really need because I recognize I don't understand then and I need to understand how to give you more love and support. So you kind of, in whatever words you come up with, you own the problems in the relationship yourself and you're going to get help. And I'm going to go anyway, but it'd be really nice if you were there. I would love it. So there's no demand, request.
1: And that's beautiful. It's a beautiful way of putting it because what it does is it takes away that pressure from the man feeling like it's my fault because you're now saying, let, let me go do what I can do. And yeah. now I think the man goes, hey, wait, I, I want to help too. Because um, at the end of the day, if they're in the relationship. They're there because they love you. And so you're showing them the way of saying, hey, let's let's improve ourselves and figure out how to have a, a more loving relationship. You know, I, we have addition.
0: to. There's an addition to that which is then if he doesn't go you go and you come back and you're so happy you had such a good time it was really fun and you and you actually demonstrate that you're a bit more loving now and then you're going to go again and every man regrets not being able to provide happiness to his partner. He's going to want to feel like, well, I don't want to miss out. I want to be there with her. You know, you said, oh, I had so much fun. It was really fun. I met these people and talked with them and shared with them. There's this one guy I did an exercise with. Throw in a little another one guy I just did an exercise with. It was just so wonderful. You know? And he, the deepest thing inside of a man who's attached to his wife is he wants to be providing happiness for her. He wants to be there.
1: What a brilliant idea. See, I didn't think of it that way. Like, hey, and then go. If, if he's not going to go, you go.
0: And, and that is so key because what happens when men are, just as a general concept, what you just said, when, when men are in their cave, sometimes they can't get out. They just don't feel good about themselves. They don't have testosterone enough. The brain goes, if I just withdraw, my testosterone will go up. But the testosterone won't go up unless you do something you're good at. So you pull away, you're in your cave, and for some reason your testosterone's not coming back up. Women will sit around and wait for you to be loving and interested, and they feel guilty going out and doing something fun. Because if a woman was in her cave, and I went out and had something fun, she goes, oh, he's having fun without me? He doesn't love me at all. He's not like caring for me at all. We're not that way as men. If I'm in my cave, and, and I'm like a downer for a little while, what she needs to do is not let that bring her down. Say, so, okay, well, I see you're busy you know, hanging out by yourself. I'm going to go spend time with my girlfriend. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to go on a trip, go see some theater, some entertainment or something, and then come back and talk about what a fun time you had. Because, see, what women don't know is that whenever you're happy, if a man is bonded to you, he takes credit for it. His testosterone starts to come up. It will actually pull him out of the cave. If you ignore him in the cave, don't be his mother, don't take care of him, Go out and do something independent of him to be happy and fulfilled. That will actually pull him out more. It's the best way to help him is not, ask, not try to help him. Men need to feel they're the providers on a deep level. You, testosterone goes up when you go, look what I did. And your estrogen goes up when you go, look what my partner did for me.
1: Mm, that's good. Such great advice there. So before we wrap up, it has been such a great conversation. I have to ask about your Maharishi experience and of course, more importantly, about the meditation experience as well as the meditation that you teach now. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, you know, I did TM for many, many years. I was his personal assistant, lived with him around the world. We traveled for nine years and that was my life. And I became a master meditator and meditation was primarily in India. Uh, It was primarily taught to men because it actually is about emptying the mind okay repeating something a mantra over and over and over quieting the mind and relaxing into that space and for many women when you do that not all but for many women when you do that you actually just get more stressed out because you're thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this and marshi had a genius which is he explained to people that well don't try to concentrate on the whatever you're meditating on but relax and just go with the flow. If you have thoughts, come back, come back, come back. And that was actually bringing into meditation more of a feeling, a more relaxed yeah. part of it. The feminine part of it is relaxed. The masculine part of is intensity. So early years of meditation taught in the world were about intensity, to forget everything. And then he brought the idea of bringing a little more femininity into it. And what I've done is recognizing that as spiritual beings, We now have full access to both masculine and feminine sides of us. So meditation for both men and women needs to be a focus, that's the masculine, and a flow, that's the feminine. Now in advanced yogic practice, that was always called the foundation of the higher state, which was samadhi. Samadhi is full absorption, but you would get there by focusing and relaxing at the same time. There was something called uh, dharana and dhyan, go with the flow. You know how everybody talks about being in the flow. You're in the flow right now. I'm in the flow right now. Everything is just moving along like that. That was very rare in the past. People couldn't do this. They'd have to read from scripts. They couldn't just source the information in the moment, being focused and letting it flow. So we're kind of in a meditation now. But the the key is to go deeper and more profoundly into this so you always have access to being in the flow. And for women or men, but particularly it's good, women are really good at this, is learning, I call it fingertip meditation, which is you just simply, if you do it right now, you'll feel it, because we're so connected. Just put your hands up like this. They do that on TV too, but the point of it is when your hands go up, your fingertips, what happens is blood will start to go down. And fingertips is how we touch the world. And so we're most sensitive there. And so what happens is when blood starts to go down, then you start to feel a little tingling or a little numbness in your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And okay, there we are. You're starting to feel it, right?
1: Oh yeah.
0: So that's, so then what happens, it's so easy to do this when you've had a nice conversation with somebody is that's the meditation. First of all, is you continue to feel that energy with the intent and the intent is to bring in more healing. So now we're going to add to it. What we are feeling now is the flow of what the Chinese would call qi energy. Once you can feel it, you can direct it. And that's the secret of this meditation, which is as we're feeling it, you now sort of link a mental link to it, which is, you know, I can just go like that and my fingertips turn on. And now the energy starts to flow through my whole body. And and the meditation is to allow all the channels in the body to open up. And you do this with a little intent. Now, if you have a relationship with a higher power, it tends to be more profound. Uh, It could be great spirit, it could be God, it could be to my wife in heaven, whatever. It's something higher than this physical realm. You call on it, It, my higher potential. So the little prayer is something like this. As you feel the fingertips, your God, my heart is open to you. Please come. And what that means is come into my awareness. Please come. And right now, heal my body. Heal my heart heal my mind, and heal my spirit. And so many people today have a broken spirit. They had such dreams. So we'll just stick with that one. Heal my spirit to bring back that inspiration, to open my heart, to trust again, to believe in myself again. Heal my heart, heal my spirit, heal my body. And just feel the energy flowing into your body. Now what you can do is you can listen to music, you could be in a guided meditation, but you, the key to it is in a meditative practice, you're also feeling the energy, which you feel right now, right? It's effortless. I,
1: I started circling again. It's oh, very circled. I circle, circle. You know,
0: I circle. Cir- circles the advanced stage. I have 33 stages of this. The, oh. Circling is, is the throat chakra. The energy comes all the way up to there. So circling is energy is going out, energy is coming back. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't circle, circle pulls in more. That's your great success and your abundance in your life is people who can circle the energy. It creates a vortex to pull in more energy into your life. So circling is beautiful. And then you pull in energy with your third eye. You pull it down. And then with your crown chakra opens as the energy fills up this circle cocoon. So let it go pour down into you and let it come up. And just let this circle be around you, around you and pulling in more energy. And as you're listening to music or a guided visualization, you're feeling the energy flow, and it's just enjoyment. It's oh, it's perfect. so refreshing. Anyway, that's, that. that's a meditation which brings the yin energy, the feminine energy, which is flow, along with intention. See, and it, the key to it is feeling. Feeling mm-hmm. the sensation. It starts with the fingertips. And you'll see Jesus would put his hands like this. What he was doing is pulling energy down, and pulling energy up is the masculine and feminine energy coming together and then sending it blessing through his thumb. So that was what he was doing. Nobody knew this, and nobody understands this. And and why didn't
2: yeah. he? Because
0: t- people couldn't feel. See, they couldn't feel the energy in those days. Only the masters would. But you're a master, and most people can do this if they're just taught. Buddha would do this, and again, he was circling the energy. He was bringing. he was sending energy out with his little finger, pulling energy in here. He was now exchanging energy with the universe, letting it come in, go out, that's the third finger. Fourth finger, pulling it in, and circling. So sustaining the flow, and then this is the circle. And he would just circle, and from the place of holding the circle, you then pull in divine energy, and then there's other things you do with it. You can send it out, you can bless others with it, (laughs) you can heal the body with it. And, but it's, it's not the full healing. You have to remember, spirit is one thing, relationships is another, and then we come back to toxicity and poisoning, and you know you there's a physical reality we have to respect, which is why it's so important for people to understand the fundamentals of wellness and health in terms of what we eat I'm a big believer in the supplements you know my website i I teach simple things sometimes you know like the, vitamin C every four hours you'll never get sick people don't know that you, mm-hmm. you Hours, but vitamin C, humans mm-hmm. are the only beings on the planet except for bats that don't make vitamin C.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: An animal, if they get sick, they'll make 200 times more vitamin C, 200 times more. They can yeah, make, I know that. yeah, we don't have the gene to do it. So it's like such a simple, cheap solution. Everybody should be doing vitamin C.
1: And what uh, vitamin C do you take, and how do you take it? Do you take it orange juice, or do you actually take a little fizzy pill?
0: Oh, uh, fizzy pills are good. That guy who did those who started that was brilliant. He even showed that his brain grew more than other people. As he got older, his brain got bigger. Cause, cause <laughs> but vitamin C is super antioxidant, but you have to keep it in your body. Every four hours to six hours, you lose it, so you have to sustain it. That's the one thing I'll do regular. I do, uh, for me, I do liposomal vitamin C. Okay. Liposomal, for those that don't know, it it's becomes fat-soluble, so you don't lose it right away. That way, I do it just twice a day, and it's in my system all the time. Uh, I do 1, 000, two thousand milligrams twice a day of vitamin C. Then the other one, which is everybody in relationship needs, if you have arguments, or fights that 's the worst thing for the brain because your cortisol goes up at that time, and that causes brain degeneration and imbalance in brain function. and the, the number one mineral to assist you in balancing the brain is so powerful is lithium. Now lithium's known as for like people think it's a drug it 's not it 's just right. a mineral. And it cures bipolar. Bipolar is just extremes, okay? Most geniuses have those extremes, if you're really smart. That's right. That's, it's just normal, okay? Our diet doesn't give you enough lithium to produce that many brain chemicals. Lithium is like the master balancer of the yin and yang in your brain. It balances the absorption of calcium and magnesium in the brain to produce dopamine and serotonin. And what happens is lithium is high in beets, that's why in Russia, where you get no sunshine and people be depressed, they eat borscht because it was
1: right. and kvass, beet kvass. Say that again. Beet kvass, which is their fermented beet drink.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's this is like super food. psycho, mm-hmm. like, there's these spas, these natural spas that have lithium, uh, and people who are depressed, anxious, couldn't sleep, spend a few hours in the spa which has lithium in it, and you'd sleep well, your depression, your anxiety would temporarily go away. So that's how they created the drug lithium. They just took, they took it out of the ground, lithium carbonate, and they gave it to people, but they didn't get that effect. Then what they did is they gave them a huge amount, 500 times the dose that your brain needs, and it would have an effect because it wasn't getting into the brain. Right. It, it didn't cross the blood-brain barrier. And it has to be a natural food for minerals to cross the blood-brain barrier. So just taking it out of the ground, it didn't cross the barrier. You didn't get the benefit of it in your brain. Then Dr. Hans Nieper discovered, well, let's just mimic nature, and let's get something called, uh, from mother's milk, erratic uh, acid and bond it to the minerals. And erratic acid is a carrier to carry the lithium into the brain, the magnesium into the brain, the calcium into the brain, the zinc into the brain, These are all necessary for the neurons to function right. And he bonded these different minerals to erratic acid to become lithium orotate, calcium orotate, magnesium orotate, and zinc orotate. Very important minerals for functioning of the brain. Every neuron needs them. So with low doses of this, just a little bit, you know, a tiny, tiny bit, like four and a half milligrams of lithium orotate, you know, 20 milligrams of calcium orotate. What you do is you feed the brain what you're not getting in your diet. And why are we not getting in our diet? Well, I'm sure you've talked about the, you know, the food today is empty. But mm-hmm. also, when you eat carbohydrates, the processed carbohydrates, any, they give you a buzz. Anything that makes you feel really happy and motivated or drugs depletes you of lithium.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so, then that's, so you get the high will always be followed by the low and all kinds of dysfunctions. But you can actually take every day. I've been doing it for 25 years, taking a little bit of lithium orotate, a little bit of calcium orotate, magnesium orotate, and I explain how the right doses of that at my website for people if they want to be interested in doing that. And the interesting thing about it, it's, it's not a drug, has no side effects, yeah. non-toxic, and it's over-the-counter. You just can't find it in health food stores, you gotta get it online. And you don't feel any different, you just don't feel anxious. You just don't feel you feel normal. It's the most normal thing. You know, if you take you know low-dose LSD or low-dose peyote, low-dose drugs. They make you feel really good, but you're not you. I mean you're literally in an altered state. Yeah. With this, you're just you, you're normal. And it's it's just so wonderful to be high on normal. And and that's what minerals can provide, along with a good diet. There's no one thing. But minerals is a big thing for us, you know, our society today with so much sugar that immediately defeats cool. these minerals. So that's more of the nutritional side of it. I'm a big believer. And then the relationship side of it, and of course the spiritual side of it, which is to pull in the chi energy of the divine force and to know we're not alone in the universe. Because one of the biggest sources of stress is to feel that we're not needed, we're disconnected, we're not loved, we're not good enough. And that's where spirituality comes in because when we connect with spirit, spirit has the wisdom inside of it. Our spirit pure, that we're here in this world for a reason. We're on a mission. Every single person is needed in some way for this world to be a better place. And this world is grace. Everything that happens to you, whether you know it or not, is happening to teach you a lesson to grow. Yes. Now, that's the reality if you're coming from a place of accountability. If you're not, that's not your reality. You're just bouncing around with this chaotic universe.
1: It's and all- life is so much more beautiful when you recognize that everything that's happening is coming from a place of grace
0: and that's your that's your beauty and that is your success right there is when you can look back at your life this is another it's not it's it's a discipline looking back at your life and realizing i could not be in the place i'm in today had that not happened had that not happened had that not happened and that's part of my journey and we're all in this world on a journey a healing journey a growing journey and the universe is here to provide for us. And it, every single thing, if you're tuned in, is there as a gift. And it's not always what you want to happen either. But it's you learn from it and you adjust for it. And we all have our different destinies and so forth. And some people do not achieve theirs because they don't have the support to come back to opening their heart. It's all about keeping our heart open. And that's where our health and our happiness and our destiny unfolds.
1: Wow such incredible information John thank you so much so much for gracing us today for sharing your brilliant insights your wisdom I loved doing this meditation I feel like I slept for for an hour it's it's amazing it's so relaxing relaxing. I, I love this thank you so much for everything that you do and for the rest of you Remember, this is also a video interview. If you're if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can check it out on Health Bootcamps as a video interview. There's going to be stuff in the show notes, including links to John's, of course, supplements and books and courses and anything else that might be of interest to you. And for me, the the biggest takeaway for me from this very enlightening conversation is that the older we get, the more sex we need. So I'm going to make a note of that. And with that said, um, wishing you all an incredibly loving, joyful day in life ahead. Stay tuned to the next podcast, and I will see you soon. John, thank you so much. Again.
0: Such a pleasure. Thank you. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast
2: today.